Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Firm. I'm your host, Alex Gore. I'm here with Lance, six foot two, Psycho. Six two, baby! <laughs> he used to be six foot. But now at 6'2", I think we'll get into why that is later. I don't even know why. He doesn't know, and that's the hilarious part. <laughs> but if you want to know how to build a highly profitable firm while reducing stress and working less, if you're a business owner of an architecture, engineering, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, civil firm, did I say structural? Structural, play co- close attention. Lance and I have built an architecture firm that is the top rated in Col- Colorado and doubles the industry standard profit we have a easy profit strategy system that is working for the people that we are teaching. This means we are uh, executing work without stressing out on deadlines or being late or even working more than 40 hours per week. Check out the presentation now at buildabetterco.com. That's buildabetterco.com. You'll sign up. You'll see it. Uh, Jake. Uh, who's in there, said Alex and his team has laid out a time-tested real-world framework that has everything you need to skyrocket your business to the next level. doesn't matter if you've taken other systems or flying by the seat of your pants. Go check it out at buildabetterco.com and watch the presentation about how to up your profit. Al, did you know accurate data is crucial, especially in today's business environment? Of course you do. Outdated and inaccurate data leads to turnarounds, delays, and rising costs. With supply chain and staffing issues, these costs and delays can multiply. That's why a resource like RCAT.com is so important. RCAT works with manufacturers to keep their data up to date and accurate and offers it to you easily accessible and free. Use RCAT's powerful search engine to find what you need and download it right there on their site without needing to pay anything or even register. So try RCAT.com today. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. I also need you to go check out PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm because there you'll find and experience a collection of brands that brings your creative vision to life. The luxury division of Pella is a world-class collection of brands including Durotherm, Riley, and Benelli, all pioneers of industry who provide window and door solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. During this new year, we know how important it is to step back and spend time in gratitude. We appreciate all our clients trusting us with their projects in a record-breaking year. We are excited and ready to take on the new year in 2023. The luxury division of Pella doesn't push beyond limits. They set them. Explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. And last but certainly not least... This episode is brought to you by Konzuri. Life uh, is short, but you don't have to be introducing... You could be six foot two. You could be six foot two. You could have been six foot... Or 5'11", like Alan, level up to six foot one. He didn't even know it. He didn't even know over the past two weeks that I have gained two inches. It's incredible. The shoe brand not that not only elevates your style, but also boosts your height. Yes, you heard that right. Konzuri offers height-boosting shoes made for men to build up their confidence they need for every situation. There we go. With Konzuri, you no longer have to settle for your natural height. Their shoes come in a variety of insoles ranging from 1.2 inches to an impressive 2.7 inches of extra boost did this come from nick 
Plus, their heights, Nick, are you listening? Plus, their heights range from 2.4 inches to 2.8 inches, giving you the perfect opportunity to feel and look good. Imagine, Al, walking into a room with an added boost, commanding attention, and exuding confidence. Kanzuri's height-boosting shoes allow you to stand tall and proud, enhancing your presence in any social or professional setting. As a special offer exclusively for our listeners, Kanzuri is giving you a fantastic deal, Nick. Just use promo code LANCE48066. That's LANCE48066 at checkout to enjoy a generous 15% discount on your order today. That's right. Get the height-boosting shoes you've been dreaming of at an unbeatable price. These these look great. Oh, they are great. Let me show you how great they are. are you, they are yeah. fantastic. You can't even tell. And no. now I'm a six foot two guy. Take a look at it, Al. Holy cow. Yep. These look great. They're not yeah. bad. Yeah. They're my new this is my Father's Day gift for myself. Uh two weeks ago. Been walking around. And uh no one on the planet except for Bill McCarthy and my brother knew that I got the shoes and they haven't seen me in person. And everybody who's seen me in person, this. I guess I've always been six foot two. I guess so. That is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I need to get some. You got to get some. You, but hey, you got to use promo code, remember, Lance48066. Cool. I think that's what it is. Okay. What do we got next? Back uh, to me? Back to you. <laughs> back to you, six foot two. Okay. Back to you. Uh, so there's something that I think uh, is incredibly, that is a superpower that architects have. And I would like to just emphasize it. And you know what? A lot of other people, uh, some other people have this superpower too. But it, I, it emphasizing it in the design industry, I think, is very important because one of the things that they emphasized to us when we were in school, which is absolutely objectively true, is they do a really good job at teaching you how to be and training you how to be a critical thinker. And the way you get to be a critical thinker is you have to get good at something called abstract reasoning. So I just want to emphasize this and then... Once you, once you, I think, I think sometimes like knowing your skill set is half the battle for you to be able to then emphasize certain things in the skill set, right? So I got an article up here from testgrid.com. What is, so what is actually, what actually is abstract reasoning and why is it important? Verbal, numerical, and mechanical reasoning assessments are fairly self-explanatory in terms of what they measure and the types of questions you can expect to be presented with. Abstract reasoning, however can be a little trickier to get one's heads around because, well, it's abstract. To clear up any confusion, let's take a look at exactly what it is and why it's useful. What is abstract reasoning? Abstract reasoning is most closely related to fluid intelligence, our ability to quickly reason with the information to solve new and unfamiliar problems independent of any prior knowledge. That's, I think, the caveat that I would add to that sense, though, is like, um, just like the idea is, independent of any prior knowledge. So we we are even better equipped, right, as architects or designers or contractors. We have some prior knowledge, but we're always looking and we're always having to solve new and unfamiliar problems, right? Or even familiar problems, like maybe it's a typology you're doing. It includes lateral and flexible thinking, logical reasoning, and generating solutions beyond the most obvious. Someone who is strong in abstract reasoning would be able to use logic to extrapolate rules or relationships to other possible scenarios. It can be helpful to think about it as the opposite of concrete reasoning, which involves working with little information that's right in front of you and not thinking beyond this. Fluid intelligence is distinct from crystallized intelligence, which refers to our ability to use skills, knowledge, and experience, and involves accessing 
accessing learned information from long-term memory. Crystallized intelligence is dependent on prior knowledge, and items tapping in this area might include vocabulary, arithmetic, or general knowledge. Uh, so <clears throat> why is it important? Uh, it's important in most workplaces, right, where we are required to think on our feet, rapidly new information, acquire new skills, form new strategies, and solve new problems on a regular basis. We can't always rely on past experience, but particularly in our constantly changing work environments. You have new typologies that come up all the time, right, audience? Maybe you've never done a brewery before. Maybe you've never done a dance studio before or whatever else I'm trying to think of. Uh, a candidate who obtains a very low abstract reasoning score may struggle to see the big picture, conceptualize complex problems, direct relationships between ideas, or learn new skills quickly. Uh, so for these reasons, the article says, we have some clients who consider abstract reasoning the most important of the various cognitive assessments. I agree. And everything I'm going to add is just a different light on this same subject. So uh, I'm sure other people have, have talked about architecture the same way that I talk about architecture. It's 3D advanced puzzle solving, right? And where you're taking real concrete ideas and you're testing them against abstract ideas of um, form, function, aesthetics, feelings, code, and all that. And what you have to do is, is be able to visualize those things um, and then problem solve and iterate with those things and think about the downstream consequences in those iterations. So it's, it's taking all this information, abstracting it into a 3D visual thing mm -hmm. that you are allowed to iterate because it's a problem and then know the ram and see the ramifications of, of downstream decision making and then put that back into your thinking so that you can adjust it and make it better. It, so like it's advanced, it's advanced level thinking. Yeah. And, and, and you do this all the time when you're designing a building, designing structural, putting in HVAC, putting in all that other stuff. And I think what like the at point the beginning where you're literally, I mean, your abstract thinking is starting with, for example, like, oh, I'm, I put in a mechanical closet and I strategically put it here so that I alleviate the ramifications down the road. Yep. So be confident and take <clears throat> that thought process that you've been trained on. And you can think about other things, other different problems. That's not just architecture building in that same light. Like, Hey, if this happens, like uh, <laughs> what, what else does that affect? You know, how does that fit within all the information, the context that I've been given through life? Does that fit in the context or does it not fit in the context? I, what do you think about the idea? You, now that you, you, your, your kids are, uh, Five and three, six and three? Uh, five and three. Five and three, yeah. Yep, almost six and four. How about this, right? I, I see this like when I watch uh, ch my children do things. I I can, the abstract thinking even comes out there, right? Yeah. So let's say you're watching them do something. You're like, you know, you've, I know you've said this in your head. You're like, look what he's doing. He's going to get hurt. And then, he, and like, because you can see, ab like you're, you're going from the concrete, like he's playing with whatever. But you can see where it's leading him to, yeah. him or her. Throwing and each other around on the couch. You're going to fall off the couch. And then it happens five, two minutes later. And then what does every dad say? Told you so. Or whatever they say. Like, you should have listened, you know. I Think knew that about was your surroundings. I, I use it with one of them. You, be aware of your surroundings all the time. <laughs> Head on a swivel. Yeah, come on. 
<sighs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know how you emphasize that. I'm curious to see if anybody has any thoughts about like, maybe you just, maybe it comes out already in your sales meetings, your pitches when you are trying to get hired for whatever various job and you say, you're giving them the confidence that like you're that kind of person. You're, you're that level of professional. That's what architects do. Architects can see into the future. I'm just spitballing here. Here's another one that, that I know maybe not when you were first trained in college, but after you got to a little bit higher level and especially if you continued to educate yourself, remember what a lot of architects say in stories about great buildings, great designs, great projects is they tell a story about what a client wanted and then they thought about it and they questioned the assumptions. They questioned the like, hmm, you say you want this, but what oh. you really need is X. What if we did Y? And they're like, yeah. And that happens in business at like, but that's something that you are trained on. That's and something that's a valuable skill is to question assumptions. Like not just take in rote information, execute, done. You, you, you completed something complete that was completely wrong because you just took the assumptions. I love that you put it in an algebraic form. Because that's literally the idea of them making you, as a design student, take at least one course that is focused on quantitative reasoning. That's literally it. Abstract, abstract reasoning, quantitative reasoning, it's the same thing. It's that third variable that yep. a lot of people can't get to. Most people can do 5 times 5 equals 25, right? Yep. But they once you add a variable in there, or even if at the end of the equation it's, you know, uh, a plus a squared plus b squared equals c squared or whatever let us you know or the pythagorean theorem like that's the lowest level of what we're talking about here yep uh speaking of that that's the transition into awesome. the, the the thinking about you know inflation is cooling down we have great great news and all that but <clears throat> when a lot of people called out the fed's bs it was it was because of abstract reasoning their premise was we've been printing money for a long time Inflation is doesn't exist or it will be transitory. Questioning the assumptions. Yeah, but you've never printed this amount of money in this short of time while not increasing the productivity. There is no other way for this to go but inflation. Yeah. There is no other way for it to go. And it was just, I don't know if they wanted to lie or they just wanted to, I, I don't know how they didn't see that. But just that different perspective led to the correct assumption of what actually happened, right? So inflation is down. Consumer price index. Um, it went to 4%, yes? Yep, 4%. Uh, oh, let me, I'm, I'm recording, but I'll, I'll show the graph. Yeah, I'd like to see it. I'm part of this. I'm, I know I'm 6'2", but hey, I'm still on the, still on the frame here. Still got your feet on the ground? <laughs> feet are on the ground, man. All right. Get, um, here it comes. There we are. We're coming back. Uh, please note that it is like 4% higher than the last year, which was Thank 4% you. higher than the year before. So so that compounding effect really puts you like it, four. Coming down, but if like it, to celebrate, it should be negative. Yeah. But like if it was really coming down, it'd be negative. Yeah. And, and, and which and that's actually, what that's what Elon's alluding to. 2009. Deflation. 2009, it, uh, 2008, we went up to 5.5%, so it was even high, and then it went down to negative two in 2009. So like, that helped kind of balance. As it much out. as that hurt, that was actually a decent correction minus the bailouts. But yeah. Yep. Um, 
one thing, uh, core inflation strips out the more volatile costs of food and gas, which is crazy because it's like the fundamentals of how the Western society lives. It's literally like the baseline is you need food and then you need gas to get some places. Uh, both measures, uh, wait, wait, prices in May climbed 0.4 over the prior month and 5.3 over last year. Both measures were in line with their uh, expectations. They did not raise rates, which I think is a good move. I think they should pause. They have in there, people are talking about that they are still planning on raising it two more times this year. I think that that's in there just in case they do so that they can say, I told you so, because they're mm. getting hammered on saying uh, for years before they increased uh, the rate that, hey, buy all these, you know, t treasury bonds. We're not going to increase rates. And then they do. And everyone's like, you just stuck us with like if if Apple. Yep. So have you heard this analogy? No, but keep going. Apple's like, Lance, you're a store that sells to Target. Million iPhones. They're like, hey, we're only going to make the iPhone 10. We're not going to make another one. You might as well buy in bulk. And buy, buy them all. <laughs> buy them all. And then the next year, they're like, just kidding. Not only is this one better, it's it's got three cameras. It's better Showing price 4K. too. It's yeah. better price. So yeah. no one wants to buy the waterproof. Tents. No one wants to buy those off of you. Yeah. And uh, the way some companies are structured is that they need to sell those. They can't just hold them for maturity. Uh, banks and stuff like that, especially if they need to sell them because you want your money out, and now they have to sell them at a loss because people are like, why don't I just buy the new ones that are paying me seven percent or whatever it is, rather than yours, which are paying two percent. Mm -hmm. And you already took some out of it. <clears throat> Anyways, that was a rant uh, saying, I don't think, I don't think that they're really, they might raise it one more time because again, they printed half the money of the world within a year or two. Yeah. So like, and there are some increases in, in production, but like, it's not obviously coming from the government. They're doing their, their damnedest to <coughs> put regulations and, and things on it. So we'll see, but I, I th do you think they threaded the needle <laughs> so or is far, it too early to sell? Well, here, here's what I'll say. So back, back to, back to truly inside the firm, we have seen in the last th two weeks, I think Al, uh, that's the time frame I'm putting it as sales have gone up. We've, we, we definitely came out of a sales lull. It was longer than I think we are used to. Yep. Usually it's quarter one. Here we are in the middle of quarter two, and it finally thawed out. And the fact that people are still looking to do things and refi their homes and do these HELOC loans and do master suite additions like I was drawing before we started the podcast today has me optimistic that they actually did thread the needle, which is just still blows my mind. How long will the needle stay thread threaded for? That's the question. Is like it's... You cannot like we're six months into this. Sorry, I got. I just got to yeah. finish. We're gonna get like we are in election mode technically, but you know what's gonna happen at the beginning of next year, twenty twenty four. Like it'll be a hundred percent election mode. You're gonna hear see the headlines is the b biggest election of our lives. If he doesn't win or she doesn't win or blah blah blah, blah. and we'll see who they want to get in office because if you. And that, that I think that's what's going to determine if the three, the the uh, needle is truly threaded or not is because if if it's not and 
the economy too, truly implodes, good luck, you know, whoever the income, you know, who the incumbent is getting reelected. And if it does the opposite, um, then, then the incumbent usually, usually, usually holds office. So I, it's just, you can't deny that the politics are intertwined with all of that. So, so far so good though. Like I just still can't believe it. I, I, I agree with a caveat. So I agree that they are threading the need of needle in this world where the fundamental, my belief is you shouldn't as a federal government be spending or, uh, more money than you're taking in <clears throat> unless it's like slightly under inflation because then you can absorb it. Um, but I've been saying that since, since I've looked into it and thought I've been saying that for 10 or 15 years. So in the fake reality of what they're doing, they've threaded the needle. Does that make sense? Yep. hundred percent. Cool. All right. Um, back to some worker talk here. So uh, it's really interesting what's also going on in the in the uh, inter- in the, in whatever industry it is. We've we've seen some crazy layoffs happening in um, the tech sector, kind of echoing what happened in the architecture sector in two thousand nine. So I've got a headline here from the Wall Street Journal. First, it was quiet quitting. Now their workers now workers are facing off with their bosses. Employee frustrations impact productivity and worker retention. Gallup says. More and more Americans aren't feeling great at work. Half of workers aren't engaged on the job, putting in minimal effort to get by, according to research by Gallup released Tuesday. Employee engagement, a measure of involvement and enthusiasm at work in the U.S. declined for the second year in a row. There's also a growing share of the workforce that is disengaged or resentful that their needs aren't being met. In some cases, these workers are disgruntled over low pay and long hours, or they have lost trust in their employers. Employers are not just as in touch with their employees, says Jim Hartner, chief workplace scientist at Gallup and lead author on the report. Some of the recent shift attitudes seems stems from workers having unclear expectations from their managers. Workers' frustrations have been building up since 2021 after Gallup measured youth worker engagement levels hit their highest record, highest level on record in 2020. In the spring of tw- and summer of 2020, as COVID-19 spread, uh, there was a social unrest in the wake of George Floyd's murder. Executives at many companies had town halls listening sessions with employees communicating organizational mission and helping keep workplace relationships strong this year more companies are trying to bring workers back to offices as bosses fret about worker productivity and loyalty gallup surveyed more than 60,000 people in the u.s to compile the report which has tracked american sentiment about their jobs since 2000 and says engage workers are more productive and tend to stand tend to stay at their jobs for longer Quote, if you don't feel like your employer isn't giving you what you need to do for your work, you're going to be much loyal, much less loyal and looking for other work. End quote. So I think this can be solved through leadership um, because there's a couple of different problems. Low pay, long hours, unclear um, ways of advancement and all that. So with the pay, uh Always put it in context. You can find out what your industry average is. You can find out where they are in their years and their skill levels. And you can say, hey, here's where we think your pay is because of X, Y, and Z. It could be like, um, hey, we're a startup and we're not Apple. So we can't pay you $387,000, you know, like, uh, but this is an opportunity here. We'll grow or, hey, we're in uh, the middle of North Dakota. So we can't pay California prices. So context helps. Clarity helps about projects and ex- expectations and then creating a culture of continuous improvement helps so that people aren't working all those hours being dragged. And maybe you aren't clear about that saying like work all the time. We, 
we don't want people to work all the time. We want you to have a life and stuff like that. So there is a leadership thing. And <clears throat> I mean, it does come from wh why I say it's a leadership thing is because the opposite of that is it's also coming from the employees like, oh, I want to make I want to make three hundred and fifty thousand. Mm -hmm. I want to have all these time off. I want to do all this stuff. OK, are your other expectations aligned with reality? And that's why if you can, instead of just saying they don't have unclear expectations in those yearly reviews or hiring, here's where you are. Here's why we think you are. If you, th if you think that you're going to start off at a firm, I'm just making this, you know, up at a, at an engineering architecture firm 100K. at a hundred, 300,000, like, oh no, no, here is the industry. And yeah. like you're in, oh, I'm sorry, maybe you should go to a different industry. Maybe you should go back to college and become <laughs> that's not I mean maybe you should go back to college learn to code and hopefully AI didn't take over your job by the time that you're out like yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think that's exactly the point uh, 100% is yep. uh, you gotta set it's up to you and the employer like yes yes there's the give and take with the employees but if you aren't setting those expectations you have nothing but yourself to explain or to to criticize because you let you let that in <clears throat> and you let that through yeah they might have that it might be true that they have that mm -hmm. but then you hired them and didn't clear it up yeah 100 yeah. percent. Cool. all right well we have a special guest wow yeah andrew tate is going to give us his take on architects and hey before you hate on tate if you haven't seen his four and a half five hour interview and you just want to judge the guy i don't know you're judging a book by its cover yeah, you know, yeah. read the book if you if you want to have a strong opinion on it. If it's, you don't, if you don't care, then then you don't care. You it's don't have his, to. Uh, it's his second time being on Patrick Bet uh, David. Patrick Bet David. His yep. his uh, podcast really good. I mean, I just I just love those kind of long form interviews. And and um, I I will. So we're gonna play. We've got Andrew Tate here on the show, <laughs> but I'm going to uh, just so you know, like I'm. We're not gonna preface it. I I do have like a post preface. Okay. How about it? So, here we go. Everything is ugly. Nothing has a standard. Nobody has to try for anything. No parameter. No baseline belief of what's true and what's false. Everything's subjective. Your truth. No, there's the truth. There's no such thing as your truth. And this is an attack on every single level. They're assaulting us from everywhere. Even the buildings they build are assaulting you. So you can't even just drive through a town and go, wow, look how much energy has been put into this place. I love this place. I will not allow them to do it to this place. Now it's just like, ah, we can move there. Ah, let's move there. It's all the same anyway. It's all Starbucks on the corner and a 7-Eleven. Who cares? It's all the same. Why fight? Why fight for any of it? This is, it's all done purposefully. I'm telling you, there's, call me a conspiracy theorist, call me crazy. I don't understand why an architect would now decide, who hires an architect? I'm going to build a building. Let me hire an architect to come up with the same sketch of the same building, which is already existing everywhere. How much did I pay him? Yeah, what we're going to do is we build a skyscraper made of grass that looks like every other one. Is that it? We did all this 600 years ago. We built cathedrals and now we build this crap. Why? Okay. Can I give the preface first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. The preface is before he started on that rant about architects, they were talking about subjective versus objective beauty. Right. And uh, he, he was saying there are people that just wake up, roll out of bed and don't even have to do anything 
to and you you can you look at them and you go that's a beautiful person or objectively beautiful because they don't even have to put any effort so there is a difference between objective and subjective beauty but then he went it, he, he was using the architects the criticism against what i think it is it's a criticism against internationalism Right. Yeah. And I think it's hard because I think there are <clears throat> objective beauties, but it's so hard because people would be like, I love brutalism. People say, I hate brutalism. Right. And you could get into something deeper that's more harder, like, well, care, effort, context, you know, all that. But I get what he's talking about on, on two different levels. I went into, drove into Blackhawk from the west side um, and the old buildings and the proportions and all that honestly made me think like yeah this is beautiful this is awesome this is great there's a there was one in south dakota too i drove into i'm like wow this is how how did you how did you even get these bricks here were there were there giants (laughs) possibly (laughs) hint (laughs) um i get that and then also too uh I think a lot of architects didn't want to defend like, oh, you, you don't understand. There's these systems, there's these processes, there's these building materials. Like we can't even get those building materials. So how we, can we do it? There's a great Twitter follow to follow. It's called thousand year old buildings. It's this uh, team that makes houses just out of bricks. Um, so I, I take the criticism extremely well. I know we've been guilty of, of probably both sides making extremely beautiful, awesome pieces of architecture, even modern ones that are that are great that some people might say like oh no that's the problem you can get that anywhere yet some modern buildings are really cool and beautiful two hey this is a building that houses people that people live in and like it's it's at this point so people can actually live in it um do you think what he was trying to get at was i actually like when he said why would you hire an architect today so like i'm here to tell you andrew if you're listening i was actually seriously i'm gonna tweet this at andrew just maybe maybe i'll get his attention is like the re- well, number one, one of the biggest reasons why you would hire an architect in America right now, in a place like Boulder, San Francisco, Denver, New York City, is literally you are just you need basically a lawyer for buildings. That's get pretty the much government off. Your yep, back. trying to get the government off your back. You're you're you like a, a, a common person who is not architecturally trained and with a license, which is which is basically protectionism, right? Licensure is protectionism. That's the reason why, Andrew. But what I think he was really getting at, what he couldn't, he failed to express, which it's all good. His his rants are amazing. I'm not criticizing him in that way. It's that, it's like, he wants placemaking to happen, right? So what he's arguing is like, which is true, and maybe just doesn't have the architectural history about it, right? Internationalism, that movement made it so, and then you couple that with we're in late stage capitalism, Made it so like, yeah, every town looks the same, especially in America. All the Starbucks look the same. All the McDonald's look the same. All the Targets look the same, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? All the skyscrapers generally look the same, except until you do like crazy ones like uh, the water one in um, Chicago. I can't remember what that is. You know, the one that's all wavy and stuff. The, the oh, lady, yeah, yeah, the lady yeah, architect yeah, yeah. Yep. did an awesome. awesome job. It's about, he's arguing. Gene, whatever. Yeah, he's arguing for placemaking right and that like so like you go to new york city you are going to you are going to identify you're going to go to rockefeller plaza that is a placemaking piece of architecture right you go to uh any town that was um any small town in america there's probably going to be a cathedral there that's built out of brick and you're probably it's probably unforgettable because that's the placemaker for that 
Yep. That's that's what I think it's all about. Is like we're not, but there's still plenty of modern. So like it's not a fair critique at for all of modern architecture, all of modern architects, because like isn't the Guggenheim, um, or the Disney Walt Disney Center by yep. Frank Gehry like those are placemakers. Yep. That the, they made the place by being iconic. And and here's where I think it actually why it is what it is besides modernism and industrialization and then uh, uh, simplification so that you can just make the same thing and people mm. come to Starbucks all the time, right? That's industrial revolution, all that kind of stuff. So <clears throat> there was a trade-off and here's the trade-off that our modern society has chosen because back in the day when you made those amazing uh, cathedrals and also those amazing brick buildings and those amazing offices and in London and all that, what was also happening at the same time was people were putting up shit, People were putting up crap that trash buildings that fell down, like garbage building that Shanties. lit on fire, shanties. shanties that didn't work whatsoever. That you had to live in um, eight people to one bedroom. Like, if you look at the amount of packed in that people were in New York in 1842, you know it's a family in a one bedroom. Everyone's seen um Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You had your both sets of grandparents plus the parents and the kid. All in one room. That, that's how you did it. So here's the trade-off. Oh, we can't have that happen. We can't have people dying in fires. I agree. I agree. So we have to make some rules. So the rules basically did this. They said, hey, we're going to lift up the bottom so that we don't have these dangerous places. But there's going to be so many rules and regulations. It's going to be so much harder for someone to make these brick, awesome, cool buildings, factories, skyscrapers, that everything is now compressed into the middle. And obviously there are Guggenheims and stuff like that, that that surpass it, but we don't have this low, low, and we don't have this high, high. And that's the trade-off because you're designing by committee. You're designing by, oh, the fire trucks, they need 26 feet and then they need 15 feet on each side. So now you have all these wide roads and it's not just the, uh, the, the driving in the vehicles, it's the fire. And now we can't have places that have good scale because of fire, because everything is just squished into, Oh, we got to make sure we got to make sure the bottom stuff doesn't kill people. So you have to go through this process that mm -hmm. makes it so difficult that you need that architect as lawyer just to get through. And I'm telling you, we have spent and developers spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars telling the city what they're doing is okay rather than using that money to make the facade actually better. Yep. All the time. Yep. 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 Architects and developers here telling you like we, we literally had to do that on our project that we're sitting in right now. Take the hatchet to it in terms of uh, these. We had these awesome uh, pergolas that we originally wanted to do. We had to chop them. Had to yep. chop them. Couldn't do it. Uh, the, the other thing, the last caveat I would add on to the whole thing is that what if you take Tate's criticism to its extreme? I, I like doing this. This is abstract thinking, right? You're taking oh, it is. all the way to its extreme. What if every building was a placemaker? Then none are placemakers. So how important is it to actually have the crappy architecture? I would argue it's almost as important. I, I go back and forth on that argument. Ooh, I like it. Because if you were six, two, maybe you would. Yeah, Here, here's why. Um, okay, I don't. I believe we're wired. I believe we're wired yeah. for beauty and stuff like that. Just yeah. So like when you see it, I I I see the mountains all the time. I appreciate them. If everyone was beautiful, 
I think I would still be happy and see that they're beautiful. If the architecture was all beautiful, I would see that. Now, I do understand, like, I've been of different um, uh, levels of fitness. Yep. And I've been extremely fit, and I've re- and then I've been actually unhealthy, and I've realized the contrast because of that, right? Um, but that doesn't... <laughs> How how often do you have to have the the the, the being unfit to realize, how, like you need it like once, so like maybe it's just like one or two pieces of architecture, mm-hmm. and it's not like you need fifty percent bad and fifty percent amazing. Like no 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 ninety eight percent amazing. You can just, two little shanties just be like yeah I don't want to live there. You know like it's like going camping. Like camping's fun. I actually love it. But like oh that was cold but and there's, it sucks. Okay, but you're at least with me that the the contrast is necessary. Yes, Even but you can it have just, it for short periods of time. I'm you only you. need to hit your hammer, hit your yeah. finger with a hammer once. You don't yeah. need to do it every year. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So uh, that's what we got for you. What do we got next, Al? Let's bring down the team for ARE Jeopardy. Let's do it. What do you guys think? If you think, uh, do you guys think if if every building was 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 beautiful to the point of like St. Patrick's Cathedral. Let's just let's just and pretend that you think traditionalism and that level of like gothic architecture like on that level of sophistication and beauty and difficulty and all, all of Nuance, those things all nuances. That. I mean, you go into a theater cathedral, those cathedrals like it's objectively beautiful, right? What if every building was a, was on that level? Would we appreciate would we appreciate the beauty less? So is it more important that we have contrast in buildings? Like, should we appreciate the buildings just as much as those kind? That's a really tough question. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's no way that you would be able to ignore the fact that, like, that you would appreciate it less overall than if there's only a few in the world. You're going to appreciate it less. I, th- I think if everything was done to the nth degree, there'd be a lot more variations of the nth degree. Mm-hmm. And you would still have think, the I contrast. I think people would just be happier. I, think, I like that. I like that the best. I think people would be happier. And I think it's not like everything. Maybe it's like 90% needs to be or 80%. Here's the other thing. And you could cut and keep some of this in if you wanted to. Isn't it funny that you look at shows of like Real Housewives. They live in beautiful Marlboro things. Their life sucks. <laughs> and I don't even know if they know it. But like I've seen how like I go home. My wife's cool. My kids are cool. Don't have, you know, like I wouldn't trade it to live in that beautiful building if I had to live with your mess. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> what Maybe see that maybe your... people just have to be to the nth degree as well, because I think you'd be happy in a home that reflects who you are. And if that's mismatched, there's. Well, that's what he, he, he was making exactly your argument in yeah. terms of people. He was like, okay, what if it was people? What if everybody was a nine? Everybody's a nine or a 10. I, I'm with you. Like, okay, I think we'd all be probably happier. Like, even, I mean, clearly the people who were, like, in a former life, a three, you're going to be happier as a nine, I would think. Mm. I don't know. About Black Mirror stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. Question number one. A flitch beam or flitch plate is, is it A, three compressed wood beams fastened together for enhanced structural capacity? B, two compressed wood beams fastened together for enhanced structural capacity. C, a popular dance move originating from the disco era in the 1970s. 
It involved spinning rapidly on one foot while simultaneously flapping the arms like a bird. It gained popularity during the release of the hit song, Flitch Fever. Or D, a uh, compound bean consisting of a steel play sandwich between two wooden beams used in construction. D, you are correct. C, C came from chat GPT. I said just give me like a fake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, question number two. Which OSB slash plywood sheathing rating would you use for exterior exposed wall construction in a rainy climate? A, exposure one. B, exposure two. C, ultra guard. D, exposure three. A. D, A is exposure one. That is correct. It actually goes the opposite way that I thought. Exposure one is rated for the, and it doesn't have to be a rainy client, but outside. Exposure two is uh, protected construction. So exposure two is like, that's more protected not to be used on the outside. Ultra guard, I don't even know. Exposure three isn't even a thing. Yeah. So On to me. Give them your stamp. Huh. <laughs> Number three, in seismic design, what does the seismic design category, SDC for short, determine? A, the structural material to be used in construction. B, the maximum allowable height. C, the level of earthquake forces a structure must be designed to resist. D, the required fire protection measures for a building. In seismic design, what does seismic design category determine? <coughs> Answer is C. What do we got? Tied up? Ooh. Ooh. Well, Jason could catch up here. Here we go. Number four, according to the International Energy Conservation Code, what is the maximum allowable U factor for windows in climate zone four? Is it A, 0.32, B, 0.40, C, 0.48, D, 0.50? And notice that I did not put a date on this one. So I am AREing this one to the max. The correct answer is A. <laughs> yeah. So where are we going to eat? Daddy. I'll allow it. I'll, I'll allow, allow it. I'll allow it. He wanted Pump House, but we went Pump House last week. Oh, yeah. I told him to ask anyway, and then we were going to make a joke about it. But anyway. Okay. If you like this episode you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, leave us a positive comment. If you're listening on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Don't forget to send us gifts. We'll see you next week.